welcome to episode 20 of the Right for Life podcast. I'm joined by Michael Hurley, as always. Um, do you mind if I call you Michael? We've been through this before, haven't we? Off air. Yeah, Sorry about it. It's fine, Ian. I, I, it is my, uh, my birth name, so I am happy with it. Excellent. This is good news. You can just call me Ian. I will. Um, we're going to talk today about, um, well, I guess, um, I guess money, but making money through, um, through other stuff, things that isn't necessarily, or for, in my instance, things that aren't my novel or my, uh, my full-time job. So it's kind of all the little side projects that you have, how can you turn them into something that makes, makes money, I guess, and the various options and, and I guess sort of the, some of the things that I've been thinking about as I've uh, as I'm uh, redesigning um, Right for Life and making it ianbroom.com. Mm. So I've been thinking about these kinds of things. I've had opinions on them for a long time. I've had ideas about um, making things that um, I could sell or make money out of um, via the blog and what have you for a long time. So I thought we'd uh, I thought we could just talk about it today and see how uh, see how it went. Sounds good to me. So um, I thought we'd start with Kickstarter. Um, do you want to tell people, Mike, what Kickstarter is, just in case they don't know? Yeah, Kickstarter, in a nutshell, really, is a place where an entrepreneur, if you would, you know, if you'd like to class people as all being entrepreneurs on Kickstarter, or you know, someone wants to start a business or a product of some kind. Um, and with most of these types of endeavors, there's quite a lot of um, physical hardware stuff on, on Kickstarter primarily where you need to have to start a project like this, some upfront capital. Um, you know, these people don't have private investors or they don't want to take out loans. So what they will do is they will go to Kickstarter and they will, they will pull up a project page on Kickstarter outlining what they're trying to do. And, and you know, if they let's say we're launching a book, they could write what they wanted to, the book to be about on the page. They can record a little video to tell people what it was going to be about. Then you set levels that people can um, back the project on. So when somebody backs the project, they say, I will pay X amount to help you get your project off the ground. And you as the project owner, it is your responsibility to entice them with uh, what they're going to get for the money they put down. So usually the levels vary. So like, say, for example, $10 will get you a copy of the book and $20 will get you a signed copy of the book or $30 will get you a T-shirt too and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you set an amount of money that you need to raise. If by the end of your term, which I think is usually 30 days for Kickstarter, if you have raised the amount of money that you said you were going to make or exceeded it, everybody who backed their uh, accounts, their bank accounts will be debited for the amount that they pledged, and then you are given the money to create your project. Sounds about right. That's a comprehensive overview. Thank you very much, Mike. No problem. So I guess what we're effectively talking about here is um, so the way I see it is it's people investing in or or actually just buying a product of some sort before it's actually been made and um, that's kind of the opposite of pretty much every traditional way of selling something that I can uh, or buying something that I can I can kind of think of and that's especially the case with books um, it's not very often you can say to someone I um, uh, I'm going to write this book, and then they say, "Okay, I'll buy it off you." <laughs> Usually, you have to have had a book sort of written and printed and 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 finished. And there is kind of an exception to that, in I guess, in the sense that an author might get a a two book deal or something like that. 
So I guess that you might be given an advance by a publisher for your second book when it hasn't been written yet. But, but that's not that's a different kind of relationship. That's um, that's an actual uh, a contract of sorts. Um, whereas uh, that's not that's not a relationship with a consumer, for example, or a reader. Um, and and so so I think Kickstarter is is kind of a, a new thing. And I think part of the reason that it's kind of new and unusual for books, I guess, is because um, it's because books are so hard to finish. So many people don't finish books. Um, therefore, it's um, it's uh, it's a difficult thing to persuade someone to buy something when history says so many people don't actually get to that point and ship them, as the people in the Americas say. Um, and this has been in the news this week. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Mike, but Seth Godin, very famous chap, no hair, spectacles, kind of internet marketing guru. Mm-hmm. Um He's, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but he's, um, he's basically decided he's going to use Kickstarter to um, sell his next book. Did you see that, Mike? I news? haven't, no, but it's going to be in our show notes, though. So he did this, and um, he's, he, obviously he's, he had a target of, I, I can't remember, actually. I think it was, it, was about, it was tens of thousands of dollars his target was. He, uh, his um, goal was, was $40,000. I was going to guess that as well. I should have let you. And how many? How much is it uh, now? Just like two or three days later. Uh, two hundred and twenty thousand two hundred and thirty-seven dollars. His page has been live for five days. So he's made an awful lot of money already yes. before he's even written a single word. I'm sure he has written some of it, but you know we can't see any of it. So to us, we have nothing. We have nothing tangible to hold on to apart from the fact that this is a person that said they are going to write this book, and he's already he's oh dear he's already made um, a fortune. Um, and seeing something like that, gosh, doesn't it? Isn't it tempting? Don't you think? Oh. That sounds amazing. I, I can do I, I would that. Love, I, I would love a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah. Exactly. And I've you know, I've got ideas for I've got ideas for ebooks. I've got ideas for you know, I've got a second novel in the pipeline. Stuff traditional publishing, stuff normal self publishing, I'm gonna do it that way. Um however, I do think, unfortunately, there is an element here of it's kind of that's all right for Seth Godin, but it probably won't be the same for the rest of us. Because of course he's got kind of the probably one of the most popular blogs on the entire internet. Therefore, the first time he says I'm doing this and you can buy it, and he's got a whole load of people ready and waiting to step up and purchase. I guess so. It isn't the same for the rest of us, but the principle is there, and I quite like the principle of it. I quite like the idea that. Um, and this might be a bit controversial, and I guess this is where we, I hope we have a conversation and maybe we will come to a conclusion, maybe we won't. But I kind of think it, the reason that Kickstarter appeals to me is because I know whether I'm going to be wasting my time or not writing. Let's say, um, let's give this uh, some context. So let's say and um, an idea for an ebook. So let's say I've got an idea for an ebook and um, I want to write it, but I know that I'm going to have to spend a certain amount of time um, writing it because you know these things do take a certain amount of time and they're hard and you know they they take up an all all manner of other kind of life resources so the idea of kickstarter of course is that i could i could just put the idea on i mean i could do it i could do it now mike i could do a quick video yep. 
and I could get it onto kick. I mean, I say I could do this. You can't actually get Kickstarter in the UK, but let's imagine that you can. Yeah. Um, I could do that. I could get it on there and I could, I could almost test the idea. That's kind of how it, how it kind of sounds to me. It's just like, it's a way of, of, of putting an idea out there saying, I'm going to write this book. What do you think? And then if enough people say yes, and they say yes via their wallets, then you go, all right, this is going to be worth my time to um, actually go and create this product. Now, I, 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 I kind of, I, being honest, that's how, I, that's how I feel about it. That's how I personally feel about writing an ebook. Um, so it would be attached to the blog. It might, you know, it would be a companion to Write for Your Life, the podcast, and Write for Your Life, the blog, soon to be me.com. And, and I would want to sell it as an ebook. I've got an idea. I could tell you the idea if you want. Why not? Yeah, tell me. Let me pitch it to you, see if you'd buy it. Mm-hmm. I've had this idea for a long time. It's called, uh, and I've, I happen to have the domain name, so this is why I'm going to call it this, Paper Hack Writer. And this is going to be an ebook which describes the post-it note system that I kind of developed. It's not complicated, but it is relatively bespoke. Uh, post-it note system that I used to finish my novel. It's, it's how I edited my book, effectively. Hmm. And I didn't use any fancy... Um, piece of software I just used a pen and a load of post-its and some kind of intuition that's going to be one element of it there's also going to be a section about the importance of or the way I see it of writing on screen that's fine but doing all the editing on paper and then also maybe there'll be a collection of essays about the practical side of writing a novel so that's just kind of a quick overview of my potential ebook that I might write now, I mean, whether you think that's a good idea or not, Mike, you could be the only person. Even if, if you do think that's a good idea, you might be the only person in the entire world. And I could give up six months of my life writing that. And, um, and then I could put it out to the world and absolutely no one buys it. And I end up alone, upset in the corner of some terrible room or something. Mm. And no one wants that, especially no, me. Not, not in any room. No. But with Kickstarter... I could have just done what I've just done now and pitched it and, and, and I'd have seen what sort of response I got. And if I got the response that I was hoping for, then I would go and write the book, safe in the knowledge that um, it was going to be worth it. So it's not even necessarily about response. Like, so let's say, for example, you got eight to 900 emails tomorrow after listening, people listening to this show saying, Ian, I want that book. You'd be like, yes, I'll write it. Excellent. 900 people, that's great. I mean, that's more than worth my time. Set it to them for, for a couple of bucks a pop, you know, fine, great. That's going to be a nice chunk of change. I'll be happy with that. It's not going to take me a million years to write, etc. Put it on sale, 12 of them people buy it. You know, you're stuffed. With Kickstarter, every single person that says they want it pays for it. Yeah, and that's the real benefit of Kickstarter over any other system. You're not taking people merely on their word; they have said they're going to pay for it. They have put all their account information in to to make the purchase, and the Kickstarter people will debit the money on the day. And I wonder if this is kind of um, I wonder if my hesitation is partly because it's something like that is a bit of a side. Well, it is very much a sort of a side project. My main thing is my novel, and I've got no idea if my novel is going to is going to sell. Um, I've got no idea if it's going to be successful to the kind of point that I would want it to be successful. But I think I would have. I've always known that, and yet I wrote it anyway. Um, and so, for some reason, I kind of um, I'm, I'm totally fine with the idea that it might not sell as well as I want it to. I mean, I really, really want it to sell, yeah. and I really want as many people to 
read it as possible. But the writing of the book um, feels uh, an, as uh, intrinsically uh, an achievement. It's something that I always wanted to do, and I, and I can say that I've done it, and I can say that I got it published. It's in print. If 20 people buy it, then fine. 20 people have bought it, and that's brilliant. And, um, and you know, I, I've, ach- I've achieved a dream. I don't personally have a dream to write a book about um, how to use sort of a paper-based system for writing a novel. Um, I think it might be quite fun, and I think yeah. it would actually be quite a good book. It would be, you know, I could. It would be totally different. I could you know, inject some humour in there. I could kind of, I could do all kinds of things, diagrams. Who knows? But I wouldn't say it would be something that's sort of burning inside me. I would. There would be. What I'm saying is, there'd be a large percentage of me that was doing, that was writing that book because I wanted to sell it and try and make money out of it. So, I wonder if there's. Um, I wonder if there's uh, there's a distinction there between side projects and kind of your main project, the thing that you really kind of love. Um, and also, I, I kind of, I also, I'm aware that there's quite a lot of crappy books. Oh, sorry, I've said a terrible word. I apologise. That's, that's not one of the ones that I feel is necessary to bleep. That's going to stay in there. People are going to know I've got a potty mouth. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm so wondering this, whether you consider ebook to be the dirty word. I'm not <laughs> so sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. E- e-books, are, e-books are a great word. I read. I I, I am no traditionalist. I, I read. I read uh, stuff on the iPad, the Kindle. You know that, don't you? Try and back me into a corner, Mike Hurley. <laughs> You're in a lot of corners in this episode. <laughs> I know. Nobody I'm in a well, in which the makes corner, it do they? Um, there are a lot of rubbish ebooks out there. Um, rubbish ebooks written by people who have um, perfectly fine blogs, some really good blogs, some terrible blogs. Doesn't really matter. People still write a lot of ebooks, and a lot of them aren't very good, or they're kind of just rehashed material. Um, and speaking of rehashed material, um, I've course kind of I've been experimenting with a few bits and pieces just to kind of test the water and you may have seen this Mike in fact I know for a fact you have because you're one of the few people who actually <laughs> took the trouble to buy this item um, but I've, I've been trying to very half-heartedly sell an audio book so this was basically I just recorded some audio versions of some old posts on Right for Life um, I added an, uh, a new one that no one had heard before and I did like a director's commentary so it's you know, some, a reasonable amount of content but basically it was rehashed, rehashed content and I kind of did that because I thought, Right for Your Life has got a certain audience. It's not gigantic, but it's sort of, a sort of the sort of size where, um, where it, I thought it was worth sort of just seeing how many people would just buy something just because I'd done it, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I found out that actually not many people would do that. And I don't blame them either. I was, you know, obviously terribly disappointed my ego was absolutely flattened you know some people might say i shouldn't be talking about this on a podcast to probably most of those people that didn't buy the product but the truth is uh, i i don't know let me think less than less than 30 people bought uh, uh, an ebook that cost i think i can't even remember i took the price right down no more than two dollars i think i even took it down to less than one dollar a point it was one well looking at the the page it was one sixty nine. The page is no longer there anymore. I assume it's removed from sale. It is. I've also just I've just been trying to check out a, um, a web app called um, Gumroad as well, which is um, fantastic. And 
I've uh, kind of just been, I've just put a few links on Twitter to it, but that was mainly because I was testing out the program. But I did find out the same problem. I got about 800 people viewed it in the first couple of days and five people bought it and three of those chose the free option. Hmm. And, I, and that's fine, totally fine with the free option. It's kind of why it's there. And I think I would have probably done the same. But the point, I guess my point is, um, that was rehashed content. It was, it was a pretty rubbish product. I mean, the, the content was good, I think. Um, the content was uh, it's stuff that I'd posted on Right For Your Life before. It was, they were posts that I was happy with, otherwise I wouldn't have tried to sell them. Um, but they, it was still rehashed content that people could get free on my website in a different format, but they could get it. Um, so I think it is all a quite a, a, it's a lot of it is um, is about the products. Don't just assume because you have a, a blog of a of a kind of small to medium sized following that um, you can just suddenly start making money out of it. It's really hard to make money out of blogging and side projects and this kind of thing. I think that's effectively um, what I'm trying to say. That leads perfectly into a sponsor. Heck yes! Because this is one of your side projects that does make you a little bit of money. And that is in part thanks to Igloo Software, who is sponsoring this week's episode. Um, Igloo Software are doing something really special for everyone, and I'll tell you about that at the end of the ad. Um, Igloo, they are a digital workplace. It's a place for you and your team to give status updates, have discussions and share files with each other, all in one awesome place online. You can create spaces for each of your departments or teams, which will include their own calendars, forums, blogs, document repositories and Twitter-like status updates. You can even make these spaces private if you need to, if you've got some sort of secret project that one of your teams is working on. You can upload any type document into the spaces you create, share it with your colleagues, add comments and ratings, spread it between departments for approvals and lock the final version before your project is completed. Igloo is project management at its best with an easy drag and drop interface to help you set up and maintain your intranet. You don't have to have meetings for everything anymore. When you post a document or start a discussion, the people who want to contribute can. It's all about making your workplace more efficient. You don't need to get everyone together to hear something they don't want to hear. You can just allow people to join in with the discussion if necessary. Igloo are offering a 30-day free trial for the listeners of this show. If you go to igloosoftware.com forward slash 70, that's 7-0, there'll be a link in the show notes, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of their software. But Igloo are also doing something extra special for listeners of 70 decibels. They're giving away a Field Notes National Crop set, which is a lovely set of Field Notes notebooks. Um, all you have to do is go to the website. You can sign up for a free trial, and this will enter you into the competition. Or you can just, without having to to, to enter or sign up for the trial, you can also enter the competition directly from the page. But while you're there, why not sign up and have a poke around? I'm sure you will enjoy it. Thank you very much to Igloo for sponsoring this week's episode. Absolutely, and we're going to. We'll in a second. We'll go through the kind of different ways that people can make money potentially out of their side projects or their blog or their podcast. And that would be sponsor- perfect. Sponsorship is obviously one of them. Mm. But um, very, very briefly, to go back to the idea of selling an ebook, mm. the idea, the fact, the, the fact there are so many out there. For me, it was. It's kind of. Do I want to be another one of those people? Because I find that most people on the internet, and people are encouraged to do this, actively encouraged to um, buy the buy buy blogs about blogging, I guess, um, to kind of 
portray themselves permanently as someone who knows exactly what they're doing and who is, hey, look, look, look at the way that I do this. Isn't it brilliant? You should do it like this too. And I've said this before. It's just a p- perpetuating cycle of, um, of recycled nonsense, basically. You kind of, is people writing ebooks, telling people how to write ebooks. I mean, it's the classic kind of ridiculous uh, example, but that happens all the time. So how to write, how to, you know, how to set up your own writing blog, an ebook on it, which is on a blog, which is about that kind of thing. And it's trying to encourage people to write an, an ebook themselves about that thing. It's just ridiculous. And I kind of, although that's, as hopefully you've heard, that's not my idea for an ebook. Hopefully mine is, my idea is something a bit different, but it's still that thing. Do, do I want to be one of those people who just stick out an ebook at the side of their blog and hope that people buy it? But I guess I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe as I say before, it's all about the product. If the product is actually any good, people will be sensible enough to see through it. I personally don't want to be a person on the internet who claims to be some kind of genius who knows everything about writing, about blogging, about podcasting, about writing a novel, about copywriting, even um, anything. Because I'm not. I'm just a, a, a nit with a microphone. And um, and uh, and I, I, nothing frustrates me. More. And, and, and the blogs, the blogs that I read, are the ones where people have uh, usually written by one person who offers sensible advice, provides sensible information on things that I'm interested in, and has some humility and feels like a real person who actually makes mistakes and and admits to not knowing certain subjects. Anyway, that was that was that was almost a rant, wasn't it? It was a good one. Sorry about that. Okay, so how do you make money from a blog? Let's assume that most of the people that listen to uh, this podcast, they're either writers who are copywriters or they're uh, writing fiction or something like that. I think a lot of people listening to the podcast will, sorry to speak for you folks, but I think either um, uh, have their own blog and want to make money from it or at least be interested in in. in in setting a blog up and making money from it or or just interested in how it works. So some of the options. Well, let's start off with, let's start off with sponsorship. So I, I, I think there's probably a fairly obvious, obvious answer, Mike, but why, why sponsorship in the way that we do sponsorship on not just this podcast, but the rest of Century Decibels? Why, why do it the way that we do it? The way that, that, that I do sponsors is um, we, we don't, we we try and take sponsorship from companies that we believe in. So that one of the things is I won't just take sponsors from anyone um, for the sake of it. It's companies that we use or, or companies that we're familiar with and, and trust and, and stuff like that. That's one of the things that we do. But, you know, that I could have somebody read a, a, an ad and, and chuck it in, which I have had people want us to do before, and I won't do that either. Um, they are The sponsors come from the voices of the hosts, I think that's what people want. You know, they, they want to hear it from the voices that they trust. Um, and the way that, that we kind of do sponsorships is like a, just a, a short read, and we clearly mark it out as a sponsor. Um, so it gives people the choice to, to listen. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't get paid secretly to, to say how great. Well, Seth Godin didn't pay us today to talk about his book, for example. That's, <laughs> That's not true. the way that I believe in doing sponsorships either. Um, we make it very clear that we're doing sponsors. And is, that, is that the kind of answer you're looking for? 
Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I thought, yeah, I might be wrong, but a slightly more obvious answer is that we do them in the way that we do them because it's a podcast and there are, you can't sort of, um, you can't, there's no, I mean, we do have, there is the Centre Despots website, but um, obviously most of the people that um, engage with the network engage with it um, hourly, if you spell that correctly. Mm. Um, so um, there it's, you know, you need to, you need to tell them about it and the best way to tell them is in the shows yeah. so it's fairly useless just sticking like a an advert on the side of the web on, on the side of the website in the sidebar or something because that's not going to reach people whereas doing it this way this is this is where the audience is if that makes sense yeah so that's one way of doing it and i actually tried sponsorship on right for your life for a while last year now those of those listeners who um, are kind of more technical and uh, uh, involved with the tech scene, perhaps listen to some of the other podcasts on the network, will be qu- quite familiar with the idea of um, uh, people sponsoring the RSS feed. And this is something that I tried. So the way that that works is um, a company or a product or a person, whatever it might be, um, they they pay to have a a, a link and and a little little write up, a little bit of a blurb that goes to all that appears on the blog as a kind of as a blog post almost um and that's clearly marked that it's a sponsor and a little bit of blurb about that product and uh, and that goes out to all the RSS all the people that subscribe by RSS basically so it's kind of a um an, a way that you can assure the person who is who's sponsoring your site you can kind of guarantee that it goes out to as many people as as possible mm-hmm. again that's an an alternative to just sticking a an, uh, an image on the side of your website that people actually have to go to the site to see. Um, so I tried that for, with Right for Your Life with um, more success than I think I really expected. I mean, it wasn't particularly expensive, but um, I thought it was sort of reasonably uh, priced. And um, it was reasonably successful and um, I made a little bit of money out of it. But I didn't, it gave me the willies, Mike. It, why? it made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Tell me why. I will tell you why. Um, and uh, one of the, the important thing that you, you said when you were talking about the Century Decibel sponsors is that um, we, we believe in them all, that we know that they're good products and we test them out, we go and use them, or we use them already in the case of um, some other sponsors. <laughs> um, and, and that's a real advantage. Now, this is not to say that the people that sponsored me, for, and I was very grateful to all of them, it's not to say that they weren't brilliant but some of them were, for example, books written by other writers. And I hadn't the time to read their entire book. I mean, I checked them out, made sure that it was kind of too legit to quit, as MC Hammer might have said. But um, in fact, he definitely did say it um, to, to a song. Um, Another song for the show notes. And, um, and uh, I totally throw myself uh, there. Oh, yes, but, they, but I, I didn't have time to read their, their work. And of course, what you do when you when you accept a sponsorship, in my opinion, and I think this goes for adverts as well, is that you you effectively give your stamp of approval. And I found that I felt I felt uncomfortable giving my stamp of approval by putting this sponsor on my site, this advert, effectively on my site, without having sort of really, really knowing the products, without having read it, uh, read those books in depth, I mean, or or if it was an app or something like that. We had a couple of apps. Uh, writing apps that sponsored us. I didn't really. Um, I, I knew, but I knew a bit about the apps. But I, I, you know, I do, you can't. You need to really feel like you believe in something if you're trying to sell it to people who you who you've kind of 
asked to subscribe to your site and who kind of put a level of trust in you. If you kind of then just try and push them any old thing that you don't really know much about, then that's what made me feel slightly weird. I understand that. I do. I, I understand that. So it's a tricky one, but it is a really, I think it's a really, I've been tempted to do that with the, again with the new website. I'm probably not going to, just because I feel a bit weird about it still. And I know that there's a certain, there's a certain level of investment, time investment, but it is, a, it is quite a legitimate way of doing it. And I actually think better than advertising, which I think is entirely useless. There's nothing worse than those 125 pixel by 125 pixel ads that you see in sidebars. There's about 20 of them and they never make any money and they're, they're awful um, and they mess up your site. So, uh, yes, the, the, what I'm coming to here is the well, there are two things I'm coming to. The main way that people make money, any sort of real money, is by selling stuff. And we're obviously here, we're going to loop back to the first part of this podcast about writing ebooks. And that's the way that uh, I, I guess most people make money out of their blogs. They put free content out there, they build an audience, and then you write an ebook, and hopefully people buy it, the same audience that you've already kind of established. We've just discussed various problems that that may encounter, but um, what you have to kind of decide is whether that's a risk. If you feel it is a risk that people aren't going to buy your ebook if you invest the time into it, you have to decide whether it's, 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 that's fine, and um, that's where I'm at. Not I'm not basically undecided whether it's a good idea or not. Um, and, and like I say, you're kind of if you're selling stuff, it's you, there is all sorts of uh, I don't know responsibilities. I guess you kind of have to um, make sure that um, people have a sensible way to pay, and that if it goes wrong, that you have the facility to refund them and um, or refund them, and however you know how you say that. Um, and you kind of have to have process and systems in place, respond to emails, which which is all fine, completely fine. I'd be perfectly happy to do that, but it does come. It does come with some kind of uh, mm -hmm. um, admin, I guess. Yes. Um, have you ever been tempted to sell anything through 70 decibels? Um, not directly, no. I mean, I'd, I've always considered, um, like, you know, uh, Sean Blanc's membership model. Well, we're going to get onto that. Should we go onto that right now? Yeah, because he has a podcast. That's part of it. It's one of the main benefits, really. Um, other than just supporting Sean, one of the main benefits is the fact that he has this podcast called Sean Today. And I, I'd wondered, you know, I have thought in the past about what it would be like to do something like that. Um, but I've never really thought about following following it through. Well, I've thought about following it through, following it through an awful lot. And I've actually sort of, a while ago, spoken to Sean briefly about it. And for those that don't know, Sean Blanc is a, a wonderful uh uh, a blogger, I guess a tech blogger. He writes about Apple and uh, Apple and um, computers and coffee and things like that. And a lovely chap. And he, uh, last year, he um, um, he wouldn't mind us talking about this, would he? I don't think so. Good publicity for him, surely. Yeah. Um, he sets up this um, membership scheme, basically. I mean, that's what it is. And um, and for $3 a month, you get access to... Uh, Effectively, you get access to, as as Mike says, as, as you say, Mike. I'm talking to you, aren't I? Now? That was a bit weird. That was slightly existential. What happened there? I kind of forgot that I was having a conversation with you and started talking to the imaginary listeners who I can't actually speak to. They're not imaginary. Sorry about that. They're definitely there. I had an out of podcast experience. <laughs> 
Um, Sean's um, Sean's model was three three dollars a month, and what you get for that is um, um, access to. Well, he calls it Sean today, and it's it's kind of every day he sits down at the microphone and does a little five to ten minute podcast on his own, um, either about um, stuff that he's talking about on the blog, so I guess tech stuff, or just more kind of life related things, I guess, just kind of his thoughts. And and the thing with this um, that really appeals to me. Because um, basically, I've never seen this done on writing blogs, um, and it seems to be a really obvious place uh, to do it. Writers, writers seem like an obvious, pe- obvious group of people to invest in in this way, because that's what Sean's effectively asked. His site is called SeanBlanc.net as well, just like mine's about to be IanBroom.com. Um, you're investing in a person. You're supporting an in- an individual. So. Um, and, and I think that's a really important distinction. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, for instance, I mean, I signed up to Sean's membership straight away, but because, that was because I was reading his site on a regular basis. And I knew that by, I wanted to help him, if that makes sense. I did, yeah, sure. I wanted to find out what his podcast was about and he was giving away some free stuff, which is always nice, but effectively I wanted to support him. Yeah. And and that's quite a powerful thing if you can if you can sort of say to people, look, I'm doing this. It isn't going to cost you much, but for what for what little impact it will have on you, three dollars a month. If enough of you do that and take all those little mini impacts, the impact that it will have on me is huge. Um, and I'm in, and in, res- in response, being a membership scheme, you then have to sort of give something back, I suppose. And you know, frankly, I think Sean's he got it right first time which is very difficult I, I i think he sort of nailed it as they say um from day one with the kind of the whole setup and how it works yeah, really he did, he did an absolutely stellar job continues yeah. to as well yeah absolutely and um but 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 this seems like a great way to support a writer because if there's any kind of profession known for being um, kind of underpaid and and, uh, and struggling. It's the it's the writer, isn't it? It's the it's the especially the writer of offbeat literary fiction. We must know someone who writes that kind of thing. Hello, um, that was a bit embarrassing, wasn't it? Sorry. Hello, hi, hi, how are you? Yeah. Um, so you know, people like uh, me writing books. Who you know, of course, I know you're going to say, but you got an advance for writing your novel. Well, yeah, I did, but you know, without going into detail, I'm no J.K. Rowling, and um, I'm no kind of the what's the name who's or his name I don't even know who's written Fifty Shades of Grey, oh, which is the erotic thing. Which don't is don't bring that book um, up around here, Broom. Jesus, if I haven't seen enough of that all over the place, never mind. Really, it just it just annoys me. Everyone's reading it and talking about it, and it just gets a bit much. That's all. Are you trying to tell me that you've read this uh, sexy book? I I have yet to read the sexy book. Have you ever read a sexy book? No, I've not read a sexy book. Have you? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, research. It's um. That's that's what at least you talk to your wife anyway. It's one of the most unsexy things I've ever done. Read it, was a long, it was a long time ago. I was at university and reading lots of sort of um, very unsexy fiction for my uh, English degree. And I'd, uh, I, can't, I think I was in a book club and there was, a <laughs> I, there was an option to tick a box and I ticked it. And, um, and these three books came and oh, I still have them, I'm not sure, but goodness gracious. So many ways of describing something. 
Yep. So Sean's got this fantastic uh, <laughs> membership model. <laughs> Poor Sean. He didn't ask for this, did he? Hey, the, everything else was good. He, if he just if he sort of somehow cuts that section out on his own, it's kind of a good promo for the uh, for the membership scheme. Um, <laughs> just sort of, it's kind of a sandwiched with some filth. Um, so yes, this uh, so the idea of a membership scheme for writers kind of makes sense, and that may, and I feel more comfortable about that. I feel kind of comfortable about the ebook. I know I've talked about the risk of doing something without knowing you're going to actually get something back for it. You're not actually going to sell the thing. Sponsorship, I feel a bit weird about, but the membership idea, I keep coming back to it. I kind of, I think I'm going to do it. Then I think, no, what again? I think, what if no one actually signs up? Um, but I still, I still kind of, it still feels like the most natural thing for me to do. And, you know, I like talking. You might have noticed. So it, I, I, the idea of doing a podcast where I get up every, you know, before work every morning, two or three times a week, maybe more, and I, I kind of talk about. Well, I, I kind of see my version of it as being like a diary. I be like the the diary of a working writer almost. Because I write every day. I'm a copywriter. I work for a design company. And um, I'm writing fiction. I'm about to embark on writing my second novel. It's going to be um, amazing. I'm also in life terms, and this is an announcement that I hadn't planned on making, but I'm about to become a father to two twins, to identical twins, which is mental. And, and amazing. Thank you. And um, and so uh, yeah, my life's going to be pretty hectic. And I think maybe maybe interesting to other writers, they might want to pay two or three dollars a month to hear what that's like living that kind of existence as a as a writer. Not, I'm not saying that I'm personally particularly interesting, but I am a writer who's actually kind of in a position where I'm doing stuff, and I'm going to be having to I'm going to be going to be having to write basically whilst managing this other stuff. And that was kind of what the original premise of Write for Your Life was. Really, is kind of how do you actually right when loads of other stuff in your life is going on at the same time so this idea of um um of of having a membership scheme kind of appeals to me and it also appeals to me because i think it will it'll make sure that um i actually to use this americanism i think it's americanism i'm not entirely sure but to ship basically i I think i'll actually do it because if someone if i start a membership scheme and i get i don't know 30 people sign up then I know that that's that people have paid for it. Therefore, I'm more likely to actually see it through. In fact, I will have to. I will see it through. Whereas if I decide tomorrow that well, I'll write an ebook and I can't get Kickstarter because I'm in the UK, but I want to do it, so I'll do it, and maybe I'll make some money. But I know that the, the doubt will creep into my head, and I'll go, "Do you know what? I'm not sure this is worth it. I'd be better off concentrating on something else instead." So it's that idea of of, of the membership scheme. It's 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 right there. You know, if 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 people are paying for something then you know you've got to provide, give them something back. And, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that relationship where you kind of, it kind of feels like an honest relationship where you go, if, you, if, you're, if you're prepared to pay, all right, then I'm prepared to give you something back for it, um, as opposed to kind of either hoping for the best or, um, or um, I don't know, kind of struggling to, ever, struggling to ever get there, ever reach the end of some project or other. It feels like a more honest trade-off. I can understand that. Oof, I mean, we have there. we have a, a donation um, thing on the network where mm. uh, our, our our listeners will uh, they they donate and they they don't really get anything for it. Um, but that's because we give all of this stuff, all of these shows for free. So we have this donation thing where listeners, if they want to, can pay, 
um, and we have quite a decent uptake on it. It's enough to pay all of our hosting fees, which nice. is great. Um, and it is something that I also one day plan to put more effort into to fleshing out as a sort of fan club. That's, yeah. that's my idea is to make it like a fan club. And there will be additional extra things for, for the people that donate there. So, um, or, or who would then be members of the fan club? Just because I feel like these people, I mean, I know that they're, they're giving us money because um, they want to support us for what we do and, and they're thanking us um, in financial terms for the free content that we provide them. Um, but it's, it's a real nice thing and I want to make sure that we're giving, giving people more. So that's something that I that is on my sort of one day someday list. I mean that idea of a fan club is actually a really nice way of putting it, and um, and I think that's how Sean maybe feels about his. I'm saying that for him, I probably shouldn't do, but that's kind of how I feel it might be for me too. I like the idea that someone, it's like I say, it's the idea of you're investing in 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 someone, and you know when people invest in seventy in and donate seventy decibels or that they would become um, a fan club. It's because they're investing in the people, aren't you? And the people involved, it's you. And presumably they like some of the shows, so some of the people that co-host the shows. But I just like the idea that someone thinks, do you know what, for the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of lager um, every month, I'm willing to... You seem like a decent person. You write decent blog posts that I find interesting. Um, uh, I know that you're passionate about your writing or or whatever it might be, your podcasting. So you know what? Here it is. Help help yourself. I um, you know I'm prepared to I'm prepared to give up this you know couple of pounds, couple of dollars a month just to support what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing, and even if you don't, I mean I I, I I'm a member of a range of things that are quite similar, and I don't engage with all of them particularly. Some some more than others, I guess, because, you know, there's only so much time in the day. But I haven't considered sort of taking that subscription back because I had that I had that mindset that I've just described when I signed up. I just thought, yeah, you seem seem like a um, honest, decent person who I like reading or listening to. Um, So here's a couple of quid a month. It's nice. It's nice. Before we finish, I believe that what I'd be right in thinking we're coming to the end now. Yes, I would. I would expect so. It's, this is basically just I've brain dumped every everything I've been thinking about for the last uh, six weeks. I guess. Sorry about that. No, I liked it very much. It was, it was actually a very good conversation. But before we do finish, I would like to tell you about our second and final sponsor, and that is Squarespace, the company that provides you with everything you need to create an amazing website. So Squarespace, they also have, uh, as well as all of the other features we've been speaking about over the last few weeks. They have the most comprehensive blog importing tool on the web. It's designed to make the process of switching your blog totally pain-free and seamless. Squarespace's system doesn't just import your posts and comments like many other systems. It ensures that all of your media is imported, your URLs remain working, and that all of your data moves along too. The system is really superb and it gets the job done right first time. The importer is available for all major blogging platforms, including TypePad, MovableType, WordPress, and Blogger. But Squarespace also makes it easy to export your blog too. They don't believe about locking you in. If you have a blog and a hosting solution elsewhere, then you should really check out Squarespace. It takes away all of the hassle and provides you with a powerful, rock-solid system unlike any other, with plans starting as little as $8 a month. 
should go and try this out now by signing up for your two-week free trial. And you go to to get this, you go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. You can test out the blog importer to get a great idea if this is going to be the best service for you. I'm sure you'll choose to go with Squarespace, and I have a great deal for you if you do. Use the code 70 decibel 6 that's 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-6, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first order. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting this program. So, Mr. Broom, if people would like to find you on the internet, where can they do that? Um, they can find me on Twitter, at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E, or they can find me at writeforyourlife.net, which is the blog of the podcast, um, which will, as I've said about a million times, will soon become ianbroom.com. Excellent. I am on Twitter too. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you very much for listening and joining us on this episode of the Write For Your Life podcast. Until next time, bye-bye. Farewell. Dear Maiden.